This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Welcome to a very special installment of the It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Episode number 16, Entry. Number 121, The Star Wars Holiday Special, airing on CBS, November 17th, 1978. Chica, what network did it air on? CBS. Thank you, Brent. Uh, Also, we should throw in that we didn't play the, the Star Wars theme for obvious reasons. Uh, one is length because the open is very long. Number two is Disney don't sue us. Right. Well, given the amount of uh, uh, places that the Star Wars holiday special is readily available, I don't think they're worried about that. No, I mean, you'd think that uh, years and years ago, these would have been taken off the internet, but they, they either don't care about it or they just want everybody to suffer like like i did yeah you would think that would be you would think that now that disney owns the star wars everything they either try to cash in on uh nostalgia plus cheese oh and also it's i'm sorry i just thought something very interesting we're doing the episode this weekend and we're doing it on friday and what opened today is Star Wars Episode Nine one more because Disney needs the money? Well, I think that's I think it's the subtitle Episode Nine one more because Disney needs the money. Well, uh, as long as we well, oh, I'm still waiting for Spaceballs Two to search for more money, Mike. Uh, yeah. Oh, there wait, seven fifty one. The Spaceballs I, the series seven fifty one. I, I I'm conflicted because. I love space balls, but no. Okay. And the thing is, I'm I'm sorry if they ever do a space balls two. Mel Brooks is close to ninety five years old, and I don't think it would get the justice it deserves. Okay. But enough about that. We're we're talking about something that's worse than space balls. Okay. Well, guys. Star Wars, when it premiered in 1977, was a runaway success. It was such an unexpected hit that even the toy company that was making the action figures for Star Wars did not anticipate how successful this movie would be. Yeah, in, they... Christmas of, in Christmas of 1977, they didn't have the action figures ready. Oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, boo on you, Kenner. But, uh, yeah, it seems, it seems like when Star Wars first came out in 1977, it was a clean break. Everyone ended. The good guys won. The bad guys lost. And everybody was happy. Just one problem with that. It was a big hit. And now, 20th Century Fox wanted more. Well, George Lucas wanted more money. Anybody. Anyway. But, yeah, it's it just... Okay, how can we milk this thing for all it's worth? Enter the 70s, where you have, it seems like the entire cast was on that episode of 
the Muppet Show, which was a really good episode, and it was really well received to the point where 20th Century Fox and all of its wisdom uh, teamed up with Steve Binder and CBS to produce the Star Wars Holiday Special one year later. It really yeah. took a year to make this piece of crap. <laughs> I know. Well, before we get to that, I should mention that the Star Wars Holiday Special was not the first Star Wars Network special on TV. In 1977, <laughs> there was The Making of Star Wars that aired on ABC, and who narrated The Making of Star Wars, you ask? Well, it'd be none other than the narrator of Manimal, William Conrad. Wow, he is. Wow, William Conrad narrates the hell out of everything. You know what? I, the Star Wars Holiday Special. No, no, no. It's Row! The Making of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself, Mike. Yeah. And also, it should be noted that George Lucas, in case Star Wars was not a hit, he actually had a backup plan for Star Wars in case it wasn't a hit. His original idea for a Star Wars sequel was a low-budget, made-for-TV movie called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and he had Alan Dean Foster, an acclaimed sci-fi writer who wrote, uh, ghost wrote the novelization of the original Star Wars movie. He wrote the, the novel of the proposed sequel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and it was Basically, if you read it, it's a low-budget idea of a kind of low-budget kind of movie. Luke and Leia are searching for something called the Kyber Crystal on a planet. Darth Vader's there, and of course, it was it was very yeah to say it was very that seems very low-budget, very bushrank. But then Star Wars made a big hit, and that had to be scuttled for something a little bit more expository. Enter the Empire Strikes Back. But then there's those three years between A New Hope and Empire, so what's a person in search of more money to do? Uh, I've got a question. Yeah. You uh, said that if this was not successful, that George Lucas had this this other special that you notice, like a lower resolution or a worse copy or whatever you want to call it, not up to the level of Star Wars. Not even close. Okay, wouldn't they have known that like almost immediately? I mean, uh, uh, if, if you look at it, remember, even like to tell the truth back in 78 with Joe Garagiola, yeah, it was in its waning days and they had an episode, uh, I believe it was to uh, determine the, the real Darth Vader, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, everybody was. So, so, so the thing is, wouldn't they have known it was a hit at that time? Because I, I'm assuming that you know, to tell the truth, probably stopped recording. Well, let's see. Halfway through the season would be March of '78, so they probably recorded that episode. I'm guessing January, maybe February of '78. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm trying to determine. You know, how did he not know it, it was a hit immediately? Uh, I mean, I can understand why it would take. 12 months, or just about 12 months, for this holiday special to come, instead of just like a one-year anniversary special, or 
yeah, j- just some little teaser for, yeah, uh, some filler be- uh, before you get to the Empire Strikes Back. Well, to your question, look at when it was released. It was released literally one week before Thanksgiving, well, actually six days before Thanksgiving. And this was just when the idea of Christmas coming right on the heels of Thanksgiving started to take root. So, yeah, let's make let's make it a bit of a holiday thing. But here's the thing. Because again, what we also had the, this was also the age of Christmas and the stars, so they were milking the whole Star Wars thing for ages. But here's the thing. This is not necessarily a Christmas a Christmas thing per se. And it was in the midst of it was the last Friday of November sweeps. So, hey, let's put, let's cash in on the Star Wars deal, and we have a and we have the plot line, and again, this is one of those things that ties a New Hope to Empire in the loosest way possible. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Before this starts, I got before we start talking about the holiday special, I want to talk about one thing. What's that? Fighting the Frizzies. Fighting the Frizzies? Yes. F- fighting the Frizzies at 11. Okay. The reference here is in one copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special before it starts. It's a copy from WCBS 2 in New York. And there's a news anchor teasing the 11 o'clock news lead story and it's fighting the Frizzies at 11. And it became so iconic in a bootleg tape that was passed around all over the years that back in 1999, Trey Parker and Matt Stone referenced it in the South Park episode, Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics. I remember that episode, yeah. Now I'm going to have to go back and take a look at that episode. Y- yes, you do, sir. What are the Frizzies? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, I don't know, but apparently in 1978, they had to be fought. That's for damn sure. Yeah, we weren't in any sort of war in 1978, so we had to create our own war, the the war against the Frizzies. This was before Cable... This was before Cable had a monopoly on culture wars, you see. Yeah, I went there. (laughs) All right, let's get to the special, what we all came here to listen to. Okay, yes. Okay, so, after the events of the original film, Chewie and Han Solo pilot the Falcon to Chewie's home planet of Kashyyyk to observe something called Life Day. Life Day? Uh Life Day, but it can never be a simple trip, i.e. Harold and Kumar goes to White Castle. They have to make a bunch of stops, they have to run into a bunch of people, and of course, because Darth Vader is uh, still a little bit mad about what happens during A New Hope, remember, this was before he and Luke had a heart-to-heart in Empire, spoiler alert, yeah, he deci- he decides to send his stormtroopers ahead of Chewie and Han to Kashyyyk to try and ambush 
his family, which consists of, and I am not kidding here, his father, Itchy, his wife, Mala, and his son, Lumpy. Oh, yeah, yeah. If that if it sounds like it doesn't make any sense, it is because it indeed doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's those names sound so non-canonical. Lumpy and itchy. I mean, it sounds like they have skin conditions. They're not. They're not uh, Wookies. Yeah. Well, it uses well. The trip uses many of the same sets, props, and footage from the movie because, yeah, it's a television show. Of course, you're going to splice movie footage. Save on the budget. Come on, people. This is how you do TV back in 1978. Anyway, so so the family started to get worried, and, and Mala contacts Luke Skywalker, who was working on his X-wing. And Luke tells her that he doesn't know where Han and Chewie are, so Mala contacts Son Dan, a human traitor, who tells her through a carefully worded message that Han and Chewie are on their way and should be arriving soon. Then Mala hires a chef, but not just any chef, Chef Gormanda, played by Harvey Corman. Well, let's get one thing straight. Mala is watching a cooking show starring Chef Gourmanda, and Mala actually in Wikispeak says hello back to Chef. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can tell George Lucas did not write this. Anyway. Oh, no. Oh, wait. It gets better. So San, so San has life day gifts for everyone, including a VR fantasy program involving Diane Carroll. Because now who doesn't? Because <laughs> who doesn't want a VR fantasy program involving Diane Carroll? All right, Mike. Uh, let's hear your thoughts about this. Okay, first off, what did Diane Carroll have on her head? I mean, what was that? Her hair was some hot mess, as the kids would say. And remember. This was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Nobody cared. <laughs> it goes beyond the galaxy far, far away. It has also to do with, you know, George Lucas didn't give a darn. But, yeah, Diane, I, I, there's, like, so much I didn't understand. And I'll be the first to admit, I know as much about Star Wars as I do about nuclear physics. Uh, pretty much all I know is that somehow Jean-Luc Picard is, uh, on the, the Enterprise. Michael Klaus was wrong with you. Well, okay, my my Star Wars experience is limited to going to Empire Strikes Back in 1980, and I remember going with my dad and my then... He would have been probably 17, my 17 or 16-year-old uncle. And I had no idea what was going on. And honestly, almost 40 years later, I still don't. Okay. All right. Well, getting back to... While while, uh, Itchy is playing with Diane Carroll, God knows what they're doing, uh, Lumpy hears a roaring of a ship 
Mala opens the door, but does she find Han and Chewie? No, she finds two Imperial Stormtroopers. I noticed that the VR headset wasn't even over Itchy's eyes when he put it on. So how did he get to enjoy it unless it, like, interfered with his brain waves? They're just making it up as it goes along, so it might have connected to his brain waves. Who knows? What the hell is the deal with the acrobats and the tumblers and and those people uh, in that? Yeah, 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 that I I did not get that. that. And yeah, that's it. Just made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The only thing I can think of is they need filler. The first ten minutes of this is. The first 10 minutes of this is just Chewbacca's family and Wookiee speak and the acrobatics. I can only imagine the the adults watching this in 1978 being like, what the heck is this? Yeah, like anybody over the age of about 30, I'm sure is like, this is like, not just stupid, but like trippy. Uh, unless they went to go see the movie, I'm sure you know, maybe if they had a little bit of the backstory, it might make some sense. But this, yeah. yeah. This this is clearly on for the kids in 1978, not the adults. Yeah, because uh, Itchy's not the only person with a VR headset. Mala has a little something of her own, and it just so happens to play Jefferson Starship, minus Gl- Grace Slick. Yeah, even Grace Slick had enough dignity to say, no, I don't want to do this. I-, I don't know who got the better deal on the VR headsets. Do I get Diane Carroll or do I get uh, Jefferson Starship without Grace Slick? It, it seems like six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. So, but not to be outdone, Lumpy has his own little whatchamajigger. And what plays on it? Perhaps the only thing saving this from a complete and utter failure. A cartoon about the, a search for a talisman involving a bounty hunter by the name of Boba Fett, who yes. saves Luke from a giant monster and claims to want to help the rebels. This is the first appearance, ladies and gentlemen, of Boba Fett in the Star Wars universe. Yes, it is. Thank you, Nelvana. They're the ones who animated it. And uh, two more Star Wars properties later later on. Uh, Star Wars Ewoks and Star Wars Droids, both with involvement from George Lucas. Hopefully Anywho, one day we'll get the full series on DVD, Disney. Come Just on saying. now! Just saying. Is it on Disney Plus? I don't know. Uh, anyway, Fett, Fett and Chewie return to the Falcon with the cure for Han who is actually in a mysterious sleeping state thanks to a virus caused by a talisman that they were looking for. That blasts away in his jetpack, promising they will meet again. And of course, they do meet again in Empire. Yeah, and for some... And I guess they haven't really shaken off this whole adventure because Han Solo ends up being frozen in carbonite. Go figure. So, now, because you can't have 
two hours of Wookiees grunting at each other. Just doesn't work that way. Lumpy's creating a translation device that will fool the Imperials into returning to their base by faking their commander's voice. Now he has to, but to do so, he has to watch the manual for the device being presented by a malfunctioning incompetent droid being played by Harvey Corbin. Harvey Corbin plays a lot of things in this. In yeah. this. Uh, I just want to say, this is not the best video, how-to video, if the droid in the video is malfunctioning. Right. And did, uh, you were talking about Harvey Kerman. Did you talk about him as the chef, the TV chef? Yes. Or? He was yes. the TV chef, and he was also the malfunctioning droid. The one thing I noticed about Harvey Corman's character, the, the chef, is it just me, or did it resemble Mom from Futurama a little too much? It wasn't just you, Mike. No. My, 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 mine is the creepy forearms. Wait. Mom had four... Oh, no, you're talking about... Okay, never mind. Anyway, okay, so while the Imperial Stormtroopers are downstairs looking for Han and Chewie, a view screen activates announcing that Tatooine is being put under curfew by the Empire because of subversive forces. Said video is announced as required viewing for all Imperial forces, and much of it features... But the Mos Eisley Cantina, as run by Akamina, played by B. Arthur. And this is probably the second best thing in the special. Just B. Arthur. And then there's Maud. And then there's Maud singing. Yeah. And this is the, also marks the third appearance of Harvey Corman in the special, because he plays an alien who drinks by pouring liquid over a hole in his head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like we said, R.V. Corman plays everybody. So... It's like the Eddie Murphy of this special. Uh-huh. And Luppy uses the opportunity while the uh, stormtroopers are being distracted by B. Arthur... To put his plan into motion, faking a repeated call for the Imperials to return to base, one stormtrooper stays behind, realizing he was tricked. He he finds Lumpy, destroys the machine. Meanwhile, Han and Chewie have just pulled into the planet. Chewie protects Lumpy as Han dispatches the stormtrooper, and after they're reunited, an Imperial officer appears on the view screen, giving a general alert for a missing stormtrooper. Song quickly responds that the storm that the trooper stole supplies and deserted. Uh oh. They diverted. Family prepares to go to the Tree of Life and offer their life day prayers. I guess. Uh. Then it, it then Wookiees walk into a bright star, and in comes the rest of the Star Wars cast. We're talking C-3PO, R2-D2, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo, all joining together in the festivities. Chewie remembers the original film, and Leia sings a Life Day song. And that was the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, that song Leia sings brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? 
Not as much as heavily redacted. Stay tuned for Flying High next on these CBS stations. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now we get into another great thing about the Star Wars Holiday Special. The commercials. Oh, are we gonna, are we gonna fight the are we gonna fight the frizz now? Well, we already fight for the frizzies. Now we're gonna talking about uh, the Reggie Bar. There was a commercial for the Reggie Bar during this. Yeah, there was during the first break. Yes, that screams nineteen seventy eight. We had a commercial for the for a bunch of union people talking about ladies' garments singing a song. Well, yeah, look for the union label. I, I don't know if that's a song they sang, but that was something that was uh, that they sang on TV commercials back in the 80s. Yep. Yeah, that, that and, was on this special. And then, yep, and then there was a commercial for the show that we talked about on last episode, uh, something about stewardesses, one of them being played by Connie Selica, another one being played by Pat Klaus, and the third one being played by somebody without a Wikipedia page. Catherine Witt. And like I, I said. So... <laughs> and it was very provocative, to say the least. Yeah, uh, Connie Selica yeah. yeah, is like stripping down. And also, the best part, Pam has a great layover. With whom you might ask, Bobby Sherman. Ratings gold. It, it was right. sweeps, like you said, and it, and as we said last week, it was an oversexed show, uh, showing off that jiggle factor that we talked about last week. Yeah, man, Bobby. Yeah, that you know what that that was probably on that was probably on Itchy's VR display. Who knows? And also, we should say that because of the Star Wars Holiday Special, that's sort of why we inducted or added Flying High to our list. Yes. Because otherwise, this episode wouldn't make sense. No. And also, it should be noted about the cast of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Kenny Baker, who played R2-D2 in the films, was not involved in the special. R2-D2 was performed entirely by a radio-controlled unit. R2-D2 is credited by the announcer as playing himself. And fun fact, who was the announcer of the Star Wars Holiday Special? Art James. Yes. Fresh off of the future installment, Magnificent Marble Machine. Well, not fresh. I mean, that's two and a half, almost three years later. Hey, or, three or, years is a long time in the 70s. Well, but he was fresh. Uh, I mean, there, there wasn't much fresh about Art James in 1978, no. but, I, uh, but continue. And also, because James Earl Jones was originally uncredited in Star Wars, this special marks the first time he was ever credited as the voice of Darth Vader. And, and here's something for you, Mike. You were talking about how the names were of Itchy and Lumpy were just like, what the heck? Well, here's the thing. The names of Chewbacca's family have been later explained to have been nicknames. Their full names being for Mala, Malatalo Buck, at, for Itchy, I can't even pronounce this, at Achinichuk? Yeah, that it, that one. And for Lumpy, Lumpawarump or Lumpawaru, I think. I don't know. 
it makes sense why they shortened the names to that. Sure, whatever. <laughs> All right, Chico, go back to what you were going to say. Uh, that was actually what I was going to say. I mean, you uh-huh. had uh, you had everybody on, you had everybody on Star Wars, and you combined that with, oh look, let's throw in uh, uh, let's throw in a variety show just for fun. So you basically had the well, ninety percent of the cast of Star Wars, the rest of the cast appearing in archival footage being spliced into the movie because hey, you can't do a variety show for two hours and expect it to make some sort of sense. Although, let's be honest, this didn't even make sense when it was properly done. But but yeah, um I got the Lucas imagined a film just about Wookiees, nothing else. And that was sort of the seed of this whole enterprise. And according to uh, writer J.W. Rinsler, everybody agreed that a television special was a good idea. So a television special just about the Wookiees and nothing else. CBS bought it. And, unfortunately, Lucas was busy on Empire to have any say-so in it. So, who did most of the writing? It wasn't It wasn't George Lucas. It wasn't Lawrence Kasdan. Hell, it wasn't even a 10-year-old J.J. Abrams. But we will get to that. It was, check out these names here. Pat Proft, Leonard Rips, Rod Warren, Mitzi Welch, and, are you ready for this one? Bruce Valanche. Boy, that's a long way from Hollywood Squares. Yes, it is. Well, that's one way to definitely cut your teeth in the industry. Well, yeah. It was a pain game. Everybody's got to take their first sip of the blue milk, as they say. See, Greg knows what I'm talking about. Anyway! Yeah, just uh, as so, Luke in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all of these guys, and... So, they basically said, okay, now we have uh, Lucas, he's uncredited, but it was his idea, and now Lucas didn't want to budge on his vision, because Bruce Valanche was pretty much concerned about the whole how do you make a movie out of how do you make a movie out of a family that doesn't speak the English language? So enter David Acomba, who was brought in to make it more varietyish. Who and it just so happens that Acomba was a classmate of George Lucas at UNC, uh, US, UNC, USC. Yeah, he went to school with me before I did. Uh, yeah, Acomba and George Lucas were classmates at USC Film School. Unfortunately, they had no idea how to do a multiple camera setup, and yeah, it it the end result was well, you know. You saw it. Uh, Jeff, we saw a story with a bunch of grunting, a bunch of videos featuring Harvey Corman, music by Jefferson Starship, 
and acrobatics for five or ten minutes for some reason. Oh yeah, and also the cartoon with Boba Fett, which would prove pinnacle to the rest of the Star Wars universe. Not to mention the unlicensed sound-alike version of the John Williams score. That. Yeah. Well, now we go into the legacy of this on Star Wars. And of course, it's kind of funny considering it was recently referenced in episode one of, of the hit Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, where Life Day is referenced. And recently, the creator of The Mandalorian has admitted in interviews that he is a big fan of the holiday special. And he would actually be interested in doing a modern version of the Star Wars holiday special. Would you, can you imagine one day, can you imagine one day we could get a modern day Star Wars holiday special on Disney Plus? Star Wars holiday special 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, man, I, man. See, Bob Iger is going to be ranking that money. No, not Bob Iger and George Lucas, although George Lucas has gone on record as saying he's not really a fan of what Disney's done with the franchise. But you know what? I blame that wholly and solely on the two side story movies. But that's neither here nor there. Well, guys. The Star Wars Holiday Special, we had Life Day, we had Carrie Fisher singing, we we had Harvey Corman in drag, we had B. Arthur at the Star Wars Cantina, we had Chewbacca's dad getting a virtual reality boner. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Okay, that's one way of describing it. (laughs) Guys, I gotta say, the Star Wars Holiday Special a thing on TV. Rather bizarre thing on TV. Yes. Oh, but if you want to know about a real thing on TV... Oh, yeah. Wait for the next episode. Yes. Oh. This... It's one that all the three of us have been waiting for, for for probably the better part of three months. Yeah, if you were thinking, guys, for Christmas about... Maybe I'll take we'll take the family and go see the rise of Skywalker. No, 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 no. Forget that. Forget that. Skip, skip, skiing the rise of Skywalker. Listen to our podcast, okay? Because this episode is some. This show that we're gonna about to cover is a show you need in your life. Oh, absolutely. And we'll yes, we'll, we'll, we'll give you all the details about how to find it. But, uh, yeah, there, there's no better way to christen your new speakers or your new devices than with our podcast. And, and then watch your, your devices commit Harry Curie as soon as you finish the podcast. Oh, it was so bad. <clears throat> no, no. Well, it's like, take it to the Apple Genius Bar. Hey, this, this phone just stopped halfway into this new podcast I'm listening to. Is it the batteries? No, the batteries are fine. The podcast is just about a really bad thing. <laughs> it's an entertaining podcast, but the subject matter is really bad. Your mileage may vary on that statement. Yes. You, you, you might be able to find some joy in, in what we're going to cover next, but it'll be sort of like um, 
schadenfreude-like joy. Joy in agony, or joy of agony. Well, we got through the Christmas episode. <laughs> okay, you guys got through the Christmas episode. I sort of gave up after half an hour because I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know what? You spent time on Bruce Valanche and you knew about that, so... Well, I made it to the end credits because, I, like I said, I wanted to see the end credits, see if there's anybody worthwhile, and I wanted to see all the commercials. <laughs> well, to be, Mike, to be fair, though, I'm sure everyone in 1978 had the same thoughts as you. Yeah. <laughs> no, let, let, I mentioned it earlier. I, I think the younger generation would have definitely been interested, and it aired at 8 o'clock, 8 to 10 p.m., so that was, you know, it wasn't like there was a school night the next day. No, it wasn't. It's a, it was a Friday. It was, that's what I said. It, was, it wasn't a school oh. night. It was on Friday. And uh, also, you know, there probably wasn't a whole heck of a lot of work that was going out because the following week was Thanksgiving, so that means there's probably, at most, a three-day week. Ah. Well, God. Guys, before we leave, I just want to share one more thing I want to share with you guys before we wrap this up. Mala was played by an actor named Mickey Morton. So, you know what that means. At the end of the holiday special, Chewbacca has been kissed by a man. Merry Christmas. Actually, where I thought you were going, Greg, is that Lumpy was played by Patty Maloney, and Patty Maloney is going to pop up in, in the near future because she was on the pilot episode of Monopoly. She was Mr. Monopoly, Rich Uncle Pennybags, the oh, one that that ran around the board. Yeah, that, that didn't make it to air. The one that pissed off Peter Tamarkin. The, the wow. exact, well, what didn't piss off Peter Tamarkin? But yes, Patty Maloney is one in the same. Well, there, there you go. That's well, that's something to look forward to. As for what we've got going on next time, well, we pretty much went over that. Anyway, if you want more of It Was a Thing on TV, you can check out our website at itwasathingontv.com. That's easy to remember, right? There you can listen to archived episodes, follow our social media feeds, do all those fun things that the kids are doing these days. Send us emails. We want to hear from you, good, bad, otherwise. If you've got a submission that's not on our list, which is over 750 at this point, if you've got that 751st, we want to hear from you. And if your uh, submission gets featured on the show, you're going to get an It Was a Thing on TV t-shirt. We oh, shoot, I better not promise that because I'll have to make up It Was a Thing on TV t-shirts. Like we have those now. <laughs> Why aren't we selling this? No, okay. We could go uh, to one hour. We could go to one hour teas and ask, "Hey, do you want? It? We could sell. They can. It was the thing on TV storefront. We have a great design that says zippers." Jeez. <laughs> and on that disappointment, I think it is time to end for Mike Klaus and Greg Dieter. I'm Chico Alexander. Thank you so much for the company, and we will see you next time. For another thing on TV. Hi. Well, well. The, now the question is, how do we end this disappointment of a show? And Greg, it looks like you have something. What do you have, Greg? Well, guys, to play us out, 
Let's hear from Harrison Ford on Late Night with Conan O'Brien back in 2006 when he was asked by Conan about the Star Wars Holiday Special. I wanted to ask you for a while, and I've always restrained myself. Yeah. Star Wars, of course, came out in 1977, I believe. Huge international hit, one of the biggest hits of all time. Rocket suit, a superstardom. Uh, and then shortly afterwards, mm -hmm. uh, a Christmas special came out that was produced by George Lucas, in which all of the uh, participants in Star Wars were... were uh, <laughs> came together and they made this Star Wars Christmas special, and the tape's been passed around for years, and the rumors that Lucas is trying to suppress it, because none of you look happy while you're making this thing. <laughs> and I thought I'd just ask you about it. Do you remember making this Christmas special? I think it was 1978. No, you don't remember it? You have no memory of this incident. No, no memory. No memory of it at all. No, so no. it doesn't exist in your... No, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No. What if I were to tell you that I had a little piece of tape right now? What if I were to roll that piece of tape? How would you feel about that? I wouldn't feel... I don't know. I've never seen it. Maybe it'll be nice. Go ahead. Roll it. <laughs> the Star Wars Holiday Special. Chewie, check and see if the coast is clear, will you? He looked at you with with lust that was real affection <laughs> quasi affection yeah. yeah all right 